Well, yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, and I suppose it got me thinking about how, in years gone by, I would have spent St. Patrick's Day. Um, I suppose my favourite times were going, visiting my grandparents with my dad, and um, having all the family, all my dad's family, call over to my grandparents' house in the evening. And um, it was just, it was, lo it was lovely. They were very old-fashioned. They had... Um, just a big open fireplace and concrete floors and um, there was a little sitting room off the side where the kids used to gather when it got cold in the evenings or dark but th there was a big roaring fire in the main room and I used to sneak out and listen to my my family telling stories um, about you know times past and um, invariably I suppose on a dark night it would turn to something supernaturally based my granddad used to warn everyone all his family you know don't don't go down to the inch that was the what he used to call the field down by the the river don't go down there in the evenings don't go down there when it's dark because there's a will of the wisp there he'll take you away you won't find your way back or you could be years gone and uh I didn't know what that meant, but I was fascinated. I must have been quite young, eight, nine, ten. And um, I loved to hear my granddad's voice. And I remember my dad had a story of going to visit his grandfather one wet, stormy evening. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, he used to be the one sent over to visit my grandfather and it was, he used to have to go up the hill at the back of their house and across the mountain, kind of, you know, a good walk, a good few miles over to my grandfather's house and um, check on him, I think my grandfather, great-grandfather, I should say. Um, he used to live on his own, so my dad, like I say, used to be sent to check on him, especially if the weather was bad or they thought he might need help with something. So my dad went out one night anyway and... Um, as he climbed up the mountain at the back of the house, he saw my grandfather's horse. So he called the horse over and the horse came over. And he thought, you know what, no, I'll ride the horse over to my over to granddad's house. So he hopped on the horse anyway and set the horse, faced the horse for my grandfather's house. And the horse knew the way. So took him there. So my dad put the horse in the stable, bolted the door, went in and... His grandfather looked up at him and said, God, you know, come in by the fire, lad, come in by the fire, you're, you're soaking wet. And my dad said, yeah, I brought back your horse. He was up in the mountain. So I, when I was coming over, I brought him with me and I put him into the stable for you. My grandfather, his grandfather kind of looked at him strange and I said, but the horse was inside the whole time. And my dad said, no, I'm after riding him over the mountain to you. So my grandfather went out anyway and he called my dad to come out with him. And he said, sure, the horse is as dry as a bone. Sure, it is pouring with rain. You couldn't possibly have ridden the horse over. So it was just one of those stories that my dad loved to tell. And I, it always fascinated me again. It was something I loved to hear. I remember another time then my grandfather telling me stories or telling the family stories. I wasn't supposed to be listening. Telling the family stories of um, people coming home from... In those days, you'd go out skirting. You'd go out meeting 
you know, go out to call around to somebody's house in the, in the evening time and you'd spend a good few hours and it could be early morning and just before dawn when you'd be coming home. And you'd have still a long day's work ahead of you, but you didn't care, you know, this was what you did. And you went out and you were sociable, you met your neighbours. And um, my grandfather tells the story of, I, I don't know, some relation of his as far as I know, coming home one night, there were two two lads coming home and I think it was his uncle and some other lad. And um, as they were coming on, they were pushing their bikes. They weren't cycling because it was still dark and they couldn't really see where they were going. So they were pushing their bikes and chatting away. And the next thing, one fellow says to the other, what's that? Did you hear that? And the other fellow says, why, what did you hear? Oh, I don't know. I thought I heard a squeak of a bike up ahead. So um, that was fine anyway. They came up a bit further and... There, there was obviously somebody on the road ahead of them. So they said, who's there? And it was the wife of one of their neighbours. And she said, um, oh, I can't find my way in the dark. So they said, ah, come on, Mrs. Come on, away with us. We'll bring you. We're going past there anyway. So they brought her way into the gate anyway. And uh, she left her bike outside the gate and ran away up to the house. And that was it. Didn't think no more of it. The next day, anyway, the um, they met the the husband, and they were saying, "Ah, oh, your missus got home all right last night. She got a bit lost there. She got a bit turned around in the dark." He goes, "What are you on about?" And he said, "Um, oh, we met your missus out there by the bridge there, and we brought her up to the house because she she wasn't sure where she was in the dark." And the husband said, "I don't know what you're talking about." He said, "Sure, I was home with my missus all evening. We'd never left the house." And they said, but she, she left the, the bike out by the gate. And uh, the husband says, well, the bike was outside the gate. All right, this morning we were wondering how the hell it got there. But uh, I said, my missus was inside with me all evening. She wasn't outside the door. So it's another one of those <coughs> those stories they used to tell. Now, they, they fully believed this. This wasn't something they were telling just to frighten people. This was something they fully believed and... um. In those days, all the stories they used to tell were what they believed. My grandfather had another story about another uncle of his. He seemed to have a lot of uncles, probably did. That was coming home from a session one night in some house. I think it was probably a wake he was coming home from. And I suppose his house was kind of at the end of a long road and he was he was on his own anyway by the time he got to the end of it. And he was nearly home and he saw a light in the field. And he thought, oh, geez, now who's over in the field now? Are they lost there after going into a bog? So he climbed over the fence anyway, went away into the field and went searching for the light. And he could see the light up ahead of him. And he was calling out and no one was answering him. So he was Jesus, I better find, you know, maybe somebody's lost or trapped or there's some, you know, some trouble here. He said, will I go back? Or... So he decided he'd follow a bit longer anyway. And um, eventually... He was getting a bit tired and he thought, you know, I'm travelling over these boglands now and I better find my way back. So he came way back anyway and um, came back out onto the road and headed for home again. And he was going in the door of his own house and his wife came out. She said, where the hell were you? And uh, he said, um, oh, he said, I, I, I saw a light in the field yonder and I went over. I climbed the field and went over. She went, when was that? 
And he goes, tonight, he said, just a while ago. She said, you've been gone for three days. So, so I don't know. Like I say, my grandfather said, used to tell this story as if it was the truth. Nothing but the truth. Um, he firmly believed it. My, I don't know if my dad believed it or not. I certainly did. I thought they were fantastic stories. I loved to hear them. And um, I remember my my granddad had a, a, a great respect for and fearful respect for the, the old Pishog, he used to call her, the old Pishog. Come in now, don't go out there in the dark now, the old Pishog be after you. Come in now. And it wasn't like we'd say to our kids, oh, come in now, the bogeyman get you. No, no, no. This was said like, come in, come in quick. That Pichot could be outside now. Jeez, do you know on a night like tonight, you wouldn't want to meet the Pichot. And I never did figure out what the Pichot was. I presumed it was a witch. But um, sure, they used to call, I suppose, I don't know, the witch was the Banfast, but there wasn't she. So she was the one they used to go to for the cure, for the cures. I don't know who who was the local one down there. This is all Kerry and Kenmare direction. I don't know who the local Banfasta was down there, but um, I don't think I ever heard him talk about anyone there. I know it's a doctor, but I don't remember. I'm trying to think of the old, old stories, but very hard, very hard to remember. I don't think I ever heard him talking about anyone with a with the cure or anything like that, but I'm sure they must have. But um, it's, it's always fascinating. It's a subject that's always um, fascinated me I suppose because I, I heard it from such a young age I was probably four or five when I first started to hear these stories because I used to always love to creep out and hear the grown-ups talking I was never content to be inside playing with my cousins I used to love to be in the thick of things so um, yeah I suppose that's where my fascination with the paranormal grew from there my dad was always interested in the paranormal, I suppose he always, he never spoke about it much, but he had a healthy respect for it. And um, he'd never move, like if there was a a lone tree standing in a, in a field or something, he'd, um, before he got it all, he was, he was big into reclaiming the land and sorting out the land, but he'd always find out the background of the story for us. Was this tree, had it any meaning for anything? Was it, <coughs> was it safe to move it? And if nobody had any stories around it, he'd go ahead and move it then. But if there was the hint of anything, no, he'd say, no, no, that'll stay there now. That's, we'll work around it. We'll, you know, it'll be grand. We'll work around that. And um, I suppose I feel the same way about my hawthorn trees at the back of my house. I have a row of hawthorn trees. They're very old and um, nearly, nearly 100 years old by the looks of them. They're... Not in the best condition, but I love them. Later in the, in the year now, this, you know, this is obviously springtime, but a little bit later now they'll be blooming and they'll be, first of all, we'll have, you know, the, the beautiful pink and purple colours, the pink and deeper pink colours of them. And some of them are white, well, if white as well. And, or well, most of them are white, sorry, most of them are white. And then there's a few pink ones in between. That's correct. That's right. And, the trees will just be a complete, there's supposed to be about 100 yards of them, and they'll just be a mass of white, and like I say, the odd splash of pink in between. And then later on, then they'll turn to red, and then I'll have the, the green of the leaves and the red of the, the, the berries. But there'll be a mass of them, and they are like that every single year. 
And um, <clears throat> I remember my daughter saying to me, oh, do you know, we'll come up there someday. We'll cut down those old trees and make a nice fence along there. Oh, jeez, I nearly lost it. I couldn't bear the thought of anyone touching my trees. <laughs> um, there was a guy, he was living up there at the time. And I remember him saying that he used to get a funny feeling around the back of the house, around by those trees. But, um, yeah. He was a bit of a strange dude, so I never took much notice of him. I've never had a funny feeling out there. If they are fairy trees, I've never had that feeling. But uh, I just love being out there. I do. I have to admit that I love being out there. But um, don't I don't get any any otherworldly feelings or anything like that from there. So yeah, I'll just leave them stand there. They can they can grow away there for the next hundred years if that's what they want to do. Um, I've put in many other, many other trees around. I love, I love, I'm sure I've mentioned before, my love of nature and trees. And my favourite place would be in a forest. And I do love in the summertime when my trees are in full leaf. And I can go in underneath them and pick up branches that are lying on the ground and tidy up where the pony's been underneath them. And just, oh, it's lovely. It's like being in a different world, being under the trees. It's beautiful in there. So you can imagine, I suppose, where... Some of these fairy tales and myths and um, stories originated from. There were a lot of forests, obviously, in Ireland years ago. And going into a forest, you seem to be in a different world. For a start, the sound is deadened all around you because of all the leaves. If, if there's good, dense coverage around you, you're not going to hear much inside there. You're going to, you know, you'll hear the trees rustling, whispering above you, but... Um, it's like being in a different world, even though you're still firmly planted on earth. But it's really, it's beautiful. It's just, it's uplifting. It's lovely to be on, under the trees. So um, I suppose all those things are what go to make me who I am. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed my little chat about my ancestors. And how, what they used to believe, I suppose, and the things they used to to say and the stories they used to tell. And um, if anyone has any other stories that they'd like to tell me or about their ancestors or stories they've heard, I would love to hear you. So thanks again for listening.